This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. This is probably the best Sunday of my ever of being in Endurance Church because I can't even tell you how many things God has done only he could do. Um, but it's a testament to your prayers. We have prayer at this church, and we're trying to become a praying church. And uh, we're trying to find ways of the church to grow. Why do we want the church to grow? I don't know. We want it to grow because we like to see a lot of people here. I mean, you know, but, but we want to love on everybody. You know, but, but we have to kind of figure out what's the point of growing. But what we want most of all is, is to love Jesus. I'm serious about that. I think that's the point of our life. I think everything in this world is designed, I always say this, to distract you from the love God is trying to reveal to you. From the very beginning of time, it was perfect. It was God, it was Adam, it was Eve, it was perfect. And that dream was shattered. And God has been working diligently to find a way legally to get us back to that point. But he realizes everybody's not going to get there. So what he did is he made himself vulnerable. 
He sent prophets. He sent people throughout history over 3,500 years, 40 men in various continents, all saying the exact same thing. Jesus Christ is coming. Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ means Jehovah saves. God has been saying from the very beginning that he will save you. And he's willing to save you if you will let him. We've been talking over the past year about the teachings of Jesus Christ. And over the past two months, I think we've been talking about how Jesus specifically addressed the Gentiles. It's one of the only times in the Bible he actually talks specifically to the Gentiles here in the book of Revelations. In the book of Revelations, there are seven churches. Let me get the numbers right. Seven. Seven churches he talks to. Now, what's interesting is scholars can't figure out why these seven churches. Because at this particular time, there are hundreds of churches that are existence at the time of this writing. But he picks these seven churches. But it's so awesome. If you see the literary connectives of this letter, you see he was doing something very specific. That was timeless. And if you take the time, slow your brain down. And listen to what the Spirit has to say to the churches. You'll realize He's speaking to you as well. We believe we're living in the last days. I watched a movie yesterday with my kids. I think it was called um, Sunday Rapture. Has anybody watched Sunday Rapture? Don't watch it if you haven't. But if you want to watch something to make you laugh, please watch the Sunday Rapture. But the whole premise is basically, are you ready for His return? Are you? If Jesus came back now, before I finished saying, and he came back, would you be ready to go with him? God asked us to be prepared to be watchful because he's coming soon at a day and time no man knows. Are you ready? We've talked about various churches. Let me see if this, oh yes. See this PowerPoint clear. Was that me? Yes. We have power back in my hands. Amen. Um, I got a quote by Max Brooks. Here we're going to tie in the zombie uh, analogy here. He said in the, the zombie survival guide, I guess principle number one, use your head, cut off theirs. Right? You're like, pastor, I still don't get how this ties in with the Lord. Remember the quote. Let's go forward. Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is talking via John the Beloved. And John, this is the John who Jesus loved more than any of his disciples, it seems like. He was a guy who laid up on Jesus. He loved Jesus, and Jesus loved him. He was his bro, his boy, his road dog, his BFF, his FFF, his SLD. He was all those things. That was John. Now, this same John has a revelation about Jesus Christ in his 90s. John is the last apostle left alive. He's been boiled on oil. Now he's in the island of Patmos in prison because of his testimony, his faithfulness to Jesus Christ. All the apostles have been persecuted. All of them have been killed. All of them have been martyred. John's the last one left. People thought that John would stay alive until Jesus came. John said, that's not what he said. John's like, I'm going to die. Now, everybody at this time is expecting Jesus Christ to come back immediately. We go in the book of Thessalonians. There were people even selling their homes. They weren't even working because they expect him to crack the sky at any time. It's been almost 2,018 years since Jesus went up to heaven. Almost. And the fear is that we get complacent. We act like he's not coming back. And that's kind of what happened to this church. 
Over the past couple of weeks, we talked about the church of Ephesus. And the word Ephesus means desired. And the book of Ephesus is probably one of the best epistles to read. The Ephesians were awesome. They did every single thing Paul told them to do. But despite their great ministry, despite their large ministry, despite their vibrant ministry, despite their dynamic ministry, there's one thing they stopped doing. They stopped loving God. And God said, repent. Love me. It's kind of like me and my super hot, beautiful, fine, smart wife over there, right? Imagine we're together all the... Come here, baby. Give me a kiss. It's imagine we're together all these years. It's like we're together all these years, right? But we really don't love each other. <laughs> and, and I'm like, is it real? Or is it Memorex? Oh, watch the pastor. We went on, and I'm not going to do these necessarily in order, but we also talked about a church called Smyrna. It's a derivative from the Hebrew word called myrrh. And myrrh is like the sap that comes from the myrrh tree. And what you do to get the sap, you have to cut it. And it bleeds. And that sap turns into a hard gum. But even though you have the sap from the tree in your hand, it does not emanate an aroma until it's crushed. And then once it's crushed, then it releases a fragrance that smells lovely. But it's also used for uh, embalming fluid for people who are dying as well. So understand, the church at Ephesus basically got corrected. They were doing some good things. Jesus knew their works, but they were doing something horrifically wrong. They stopped loving Jesus. The church of Smyrna, it had no rebuke, no correction. It's basically Jesus saying, good job. Hold on. Don't give up. We went on to the church of Pergamum. And Pergamum means mixed marriage. And what this basically means is this was a church. And they were doing great things. They withstood persecution. They held fast to good doctrine. But what they did is they allowed teaching from the world or ideals from the world to come in and change their values and concepts about God, about reality. And Jesus tells them, turn around, or I'll pull your candlestick away. They had to repent. They had to get it right. Church last week we talked about was Thyatira. Thyatira basically means daughter. And in the church of Thyatira, there was a woman named Jezebel. And this woman was a, a Christian, but she actually intermingled syncretism. She brought in other faiths into the Christian faith, and she began to preach in the church. And no one in the church stopped her, so the church was very tolerant. And because of his tolerance, God said, change it up. I'm coming and take that candlestick away. Repent. Today's message is a little different. Today we're going to talk about the church of Sardis. This is why I love the Bible. The Bible is real. It's a historical book. We're just not making this stuff up. We've been over there. Some of us in here have been to Israel. It's real. Israel. Israel. We've been to Israel. Israel. We've been there. Right? We saw the place where Jesus was. John, we went to all these different places. Like, this is all real. 
So when you hear about the Bible, it's rooted in history. It's not like a Star Wars movie that pops out and the yellow words come down in a long, long time ago in a planet far, far away, just like in the middle of the story. No, the Bible starts at the beginning, objectively, and has an ending. History is in God's hand. The problem is the world tries to tell you it's not. But you have to trust God. That's part of you trusting his character. That's the foundation of your relationship with God. Do you trust him? That's why he sent Jesus. To show you how good he really is. But you watch TV. I know. I love TV too. TV doesn't talk about God. Comic books don't talk about God. The news, LeBron James ain't talking about God. The Vikings winning the Super Bowl. God. Like, what? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> But this church is an interesting church because this area at one time was the capital of the world financially. It had money. You may tell you how much money it had. This church had rivers that had gold dust streaming down it in Sardis, in this city. Sardis was wealthy beyond our imagination. It was a place where one time the king, who was like Chrissy's, this king was the leader of the world. He had so much money, it became almost an American idiom. Like, you got money like Chrissy's. I mean, it's, this guy was just like Solomon rich. These people were so rich and so wealthy, they had no needs. But the most interesting thing about this place is this. Where it was situated. Now, the place of Sardis, the city itself, was elevated. It was an acropolis. It was, lifted. it was a city up in the air, right? And the city was, in a sense, fortified. It had around it a sheer wall. And the wall was like a cliff. And the cliff on three-fourths of the city protected it. No one could get up that cliff. But... In the one-fourth of the city that was open, they fortified it. So the place was practically impenetrable. Sardis. Rich. Protected. Secure. No one could get there. Now there's a guy in the Bible. His name is Cyrus. Anybody heard of him? Cyrus at one time, around five, six hundred... B.C. was coming around this area, taking over stuff, right? And he happened to be headed toward Sardis. Well, the king of Sardis said, we got to go out and meet him and try to stop him. So the king and all his army go out to try to fight against Cyrus, and they lose. And on the way back home, they're not in any rush because they know as soon as they get back inside of the city, they're protected, they're safe. So they get up in the city, and they're just chilling. But even though now... Cyrus is coming to get his people. He's coming to get this city. He's coming to attack. But the king of Sardis is not even worried about it at all. At all. So check this out. They seize the city and do nothing. They get nowhere. So Cyrus basically says, if any man can find a way in that city, I'll give him a great reward. Nobody could get into Sardis until one day there's a guy on the back side of the city where the cliff is. And one of the soldiers who's on top of the wall, the cliff, protecting the city, his helmet falls off his head and down, 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 down the side of the cliff. The soldier who's on Cyrus' side sees him like, hmm, 
Interesting. Later on, he, for whatever reason, happened to keep looking in the same spot. And the guy who dropped his helmet ends up peeping out of the side of the wall, gets his helmet, goes back in the city, and goes back on top of the wall. So the soldier that saw it went back and reported back to his, his king. I know how to get into the wall. So they said, okay, this is what we'll do. We'll devise a trap. Cyrus put his elite soldiers on this side. They put all the other soldiers over here and they started distracting them. They started distracting him, right? And in the midst of the distraction, <laughs> let's do that one more time. <laughs> Welcome to Endurance Church. <laughs> so, they started getting distracted, right? Hold up, hold up, hold up. So in the midst of the distraction, I'll call you, in the midst of the distraction, that was my fault, that's my, we, we, next time we'll plan, that's, it's all me, it's all, I'm Batman today, see, this is my face right now, it'll be this one a little bit later, I apologize, alright, so check this out, so the guy finds a hole, the people over here are distracting, and the elite soldiers break into the crack, take the city, they were distracted, it seemed impenetrable, but it fell. Now, if that was the only time that happened to that city, it'd be like, oh, that's an interesting fact. But the truth is it happened twice. The Persians, years later, did almost the exact same thing. They're coming up to Sardis. They're going to attack it. They can't find a way in, but they see these soldiers inside of Sardis throwing bodies over the wall. This daggone guard, this watchman, is messing up. He's not focusing on his responsibility. He's distracted. And what happened? The Persians found that little plate, got in, and then they were overthrown for the second time. If you get this, it's okay. I have a trick I'm going to do. This is probably... So much better for you, Brianna, than anybody else right now. Uh, Brianna, I'm so sorry. I'm going to make this disappear. You're going to have to figure out what hand is in, right? So, are you ready? Don't be distracted. <laughs> Don't be distracted. Thank you. That was so well done. We are so awesome in this church. I love you so much. <laughs> All right. What hand is it in? Oh, what hand? Anybody? Somebody? Yes, it worked. Beside you. <laughs> Anybody, no, this is like, open, like we're going to give people mics in a minute, like, if y'all don't say something, so just understand. What hand, anybody? Let, somebody say, who says left hand, raise your hand? Who says right hand, raise your hand, raise your hand? Who didn't pick any hand, raise your hand? Who's not going to raise your hand regardless of what happens? <laughs> All right. The truth is, it was a neither hand. I put it right here, right? So, I'm so smart. It's like, I'm so awesome. We're so awesome. 
What's the point? We are so easily distracted. And when we get distracted, we miss the main thing. Anybody know what the word entertainment means? Entertainment means to come in between. So when you're being entertained, something is standing in between you and the point. I know. I've seen all of uh, Netflix, Marvel movies, TV shows. I've seen them all. I've seen all the Avengers. I've seen them all. I've been very entertained. Vikings are coming up this year. I've been to the complex. I'm psyched. I love it. It's like going to a college campus now. It's amazing going over there. They're actually having, this is just insider information, the 20th anniversary of the 1998 season. So this year, all the players from 1998 season are going to go on the field. They're going to get booed by everybody. <laughs> We're going to go out there. Yeah. Distractions from the main thing because you're being entertained. My hope is that when you're in love with Jesus, you won't let anything distract you from your love. Because the problem is spiritually, when you're detached from God, when you're separated from God, that word is very simple. It's death. When life is separated from you, it's death. When we are separated from God in the fall in the garden, we die. We got a couple points, and we're going to be done today. Chapter 3, verses 1, I think, all the way through 6. Let me pray real quick. Father God, thank you for your church, your people. I pray we hear your voice. You get glory. In Jesus' name, amen. It says, And to the angel of the church of Sardis, what's interesting is all these names of these different churches have something to do with the content of the letter. But no scholar can agree on the name. It's almost like Sardis doesn't really have a name. It's, it's almost designed that way. Like, it's nothing. Stick with me. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, every time Jesus references himself, he gives himself a specific title that is necessary to understand the point of the letter. Here, we talked about the seven spirits earlier. And the one who who's the seven spirits, that's the Holy Spirit. So here, he's referencing himself as he who has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what's important in this letter. Understand, he who has the Holy Spirit is talking to the church of Sardis. And what he says here is, in the God, Spirit of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive. But in contrast to that, you're what? You're dead. You have a name like you're a church that's popping off. You're an amazing church. You're amazing. You're awesome. Everybody's pointing to you and say, that's where God is. You got this reputation that it's all good, that it's really love. That that's how ministry should be done. Look at that church. That's what we should be doing in this rich area that's doing great. But he says, you know what? But you are dead. Necros, necromancer, dead. You're not alive. So what does he say? Be watchful. Now, anybody in Sardis would understand the word watchful would have a particular place in their heart, in their psyche. Because in the stories I told you, the kingdom fell twice because of the watchman's error. 
The people who were supposed to be on guard were not. And they allowed themselves to get penetrated, to be overrun by the world. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. This church is slowly dying. He's not talking about numbers. He's talking about the presence of God. Slowly but slowly. You've been here in your relationship with God. You've sinned and you're like, oh man, I don't feel God's presence now. I'm off. And you make that choice. Either you reconcile with God or you just say, hey, I'm already messed up. I'm going to keep on going down the little drain. And you go down the vortex, right? Down, down, down. And it blows up. God, help me, Lord. Save me. Here, they've strayed. This church at one time was vibrant, was living, was doing great things. But eventually they started to lose their relationship with God's spirit. For I have not found your works perfect before God. This work perfect means mature. He's like, you're still doing stuff, but it's not the mature stuff. You need to go back and strengthen the stuff that's remaining. The stuff they originally inherited. Remember, this is almost like maybe 60 years after Jesus' resurrection at max. The only thing they have there is the teaching of the apostles. The love of God. That's, that's, they don't have much. And the commandment to make disciples. And now they're, they're dead or dying. He said, remember therefore how you received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Christianity is not hard at all, guys. It's simply this. Telling people the good news. And what's the good news? Our king reigns. Jesus Christ has made a way. This is not it. I'm getting gray hair, y'all. I'm getting old. The end is coming. Yes, it is. I'm okay with that. Because our king conquered death through love. We are the only winners in this game. The problem is the rest of the world, they're losing. And will one of us have the courage and trust and commitment in the words of Jesus to have the boldness to go and tell the world, there's another way. You don't have to go that way. There's hope. There's joy, there's love, there's victory over every single obstacle in this life. But it comes from your relationship, your love affair with Jesus Christ. It says, therefore, if you will not, once again, watch. Listen to what he says. I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know the hour. I will come upon you. Once again, Jesus is referencing this historical event where these watchmen will have fell asleep at the wheel and basically allow the enemy to come in like a thief in the night and take over their kingdom. Watch. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. This is the part we're going to focus on today. There's so many parts we can focus. This is honestly like a book, a novel. For you scholars here, man, you could park up and make a career out of this book right here. This, these six lines, basically, you could create a thesis. I mean, you could do a lot. Of, you can do like the prayer of Jabez. I don't know. Everybody read that book. You can make a book out of this, the prayer of Sardis, right? I don't know. But this is the part we're focused on today. Sardis, you have a few people, a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. 
Back in the day in ancient times, when you were born into a kingdom, your name was automatically put in a ledger. Anybody know the name of that ledger? It'll shake your world. It's called the book of life. And you kept your name on the ledger until you did something so offensive to get yourself blotted out of the book of life. For us as Christians, our names are written where? In the book of life. In the Lamb's book of life. And the only way we get taken out of that ledger is if we reject this gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Here, he says, Sardis, these people who, whose names are still faithful, they have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. These people have not been, in a sense, tainted by the world. Remember, the Levitical priests would go and they would inspect people's houses to make sure they were purified, they were cleansed. It's referencing our walk, our lifestyle, how we live our lives before God. It matters. You know, I still, as a, as a Christian, face consequences for some of my acts I did before I was saved. I still face consequences. And since I've been saved, I still face consequences for my actions after I've been saved. Now, that's not judgment. That's not punishment. That's not condemnation. That's simply causality, cause and effect. Now, some of my actions are, are good. I'm facing blessings because of the good things I've done in God, but also contrary, there have been things I've done that weren't so good that I face some negative consequences. This is the reality of our world. We can make a change. I'm not telling you to be perfect. I'm telling you to fall in love. If you make a mistake, you confess it. Get back right with God. Don't sit there and live out there. I'm, it's all good. No. God died for your sin. There is grace. But yeah, he's still a just God. Hello. That's what the cross is about. It says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you have two ears, raise your hand in the church. If you have two ears. That means if you didn't raise your hand, we were going to pray for you. But nevertheless, that means if you have two ears, that message is for you. It's just not to Sardis. God cares about how you live your life. That matters. That's important. Now, he did not tell this church you need to grow in numbers. He did not tell these couple of people that are in the church of Sardis to leave. Notice he didn't say that. He didn't say, get out of that church. All those bad Christians and sinners and unsaved dead people up in there, leave the church. He didn't say that. He just said, you keep on doing what you're doing. Our culture is now informing how we do church. We have to fight against it. Not We're not battling against the sin. We're battling against a culture designed to fight against our faithfulness in God. Got a couple points. We're done for the day. Even though most of the church in Sardis was dead in the sight of Christ, there were a few who had not been made nasty by accepting incorrect teaching, practicing sinful habits, and ungodly purposes. This is the one point I want to make about this slide right here. There's a word uh, Spencer and I looked up a while ago. It's repent. And, and to me, the most clarifying point or connotation of repent is simply this. Turning from your purpose to God's. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. 
Are you living this life for your purpose or for God? It's clear. I have people and when they hear me say that, well, we need to bring balance. I'm like, balance to what? Are you serious? It can't all be about God, Anthony. Well, what is it about then? You got to think like, is your faith aligned with you fulfilling God's purpose? That's what Pastor Shaw said, bowing your will to God. Do you trust him that if you do his will, he'll take care of you? If not, that's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Like, God has this thing sewed up, y'all. We're in this game. We can't get out. We're in it together, Ruthie. Dory, we're here. Mike, Sean, and Amber, Michael, everybody. We're in this. Like, there's no excuse. We are going to be consciously aware of our decision to reject God's will or not in heaven. It's not going to be, oops. You know right now if you're living out God's will or not. You know. The question is, what will you do with that information? Just because God is not pleased with the church does not mean he's not pleased with you. You could be in TV land right now watching this pastor preach. You're at a church. Stay there. Unless God tells you, now God tells you to leave, you get up out of there. But if God didn't take you to leave, you stay there until the thing disappears. God is doing something. He's using us where we are. Let God use you. Stay absolutely committed to loving Christ, making disciples, and glorifying God regardless of the cause. Notice that this church didn't face persecution. There's nothing in it about being persecuted at all. All the other churches have been persecuted too in a sense, but not this church. But it's just living. It's just doing stuff. It's have, they're having church. And they don't look any different than the rest of Sardis. Do it so Jesus will confess your name before the Father. We live in a day and we're almost done. This is a hard saying. Oh, man. Don, I was about to call you out too. But go ahead. Where you got to go? Oh, you, are you, no. If you got to go to a restroom, you need to go there. Okay. <laughs> I need a millennial. A millennial, 80s and earlier, millennial, a young millennial, I don't need a generation uh, Z, I don't need generation Z, a millennial, millennial, I need a generation X and a baby boomer, if you want to get up, oh, Mike, he, he got it, are you, are you, okay, we'll get done, okay, yes, sir, so, this is how different communication is. Anybody ever heard of a rotary phone? Okay, anybody ever use a rotary phone? Can, can you describe to us a rotary phone experience, Pastor Don? I'll get a microphone. Thank you, Lord, for the mic cord. That runs. It was a wonderful experience. <laughs> The receiver sat on the phone, and it was heavy, and the older you are, the heavier, the more years back you go, the heavier that receiver was. You hold it to your ear, and you do one number at a time, and if it was uh, one or two, it'd go click, 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 click. If it were eight or nine, it'd go click, 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 click. Luckily, we hardly ever had to do area codes then, so it wasn't such a big deal. Because if you did area codes, what did that mean? Long distance. And if you get it to long distance, call your mom and dad's phone, what did that mean? 
<laughs> Thank you for speaking very nicely of your parents right there. Dory, please tell us about answering machines. Answering machines. Um, heck, when answering machines came out, that was pretty exciting because you did not have to... Um, be home to answer your phone someone could leave you a message but they were kind of a pain because there was this little tape in them these micro tapes and you had to put it in there and you had to program them or you basically had to record the message onto the tape and then you it would blink at, if it was working properly it would blink at you and tell you you had a message and if it was working properly it would tell you how loved you were by how many messages you had when you were gone so you would go home and look at your answering machine oh three people called me and left me a message well Two of them would be someone you didn't really want to talk to, like a telemarketer. There was no no call list then. So, um, yeah, then you could just return the calls. But if your answering machine tape lasted like two months, you were pretty good. So, I don't know. I felt like you were replacing those things all the time. But that was an answering machine. Answering machine. And if you happen to be leaving a message and it stops in the middle of your, you had to call back and do what? Repeat it very quickly, right? <laughs> now, Amber, this is going to seem like a no-brainer, but you're going to see how different generations. Tell us about cell phones. Oh, um. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so cell phones are the newest, coolest things on the block for communication. Um, you can definitely block calls. <laughs> that you don't want. Um, it already has a voicemail set up on it, so you can set it up yourself. <laughs> um, you can definitely talk to anybody, I guess, you want to talk to. Um, let's see. You can do different ringers. So if you want to put, like, a song or anything on your ringer, you can do that, too, for different people, depending on how you feel. You can text. You can text. <laughs> yeah, you can text. Yeah, so anything you feel, you can text it, too. Instead of calling people and telling them how you feel, you can just text it. Sometimes it doesn't go over well, but, you know, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the cell phone. Okay, so now watch this. So, Don, Pastor Don... If you wanted to talk to a young lady and you wanted to give her a phone call, describe that process. When you're, so you're a single man, you see a young lady, you got her phone number, what does that look like? Back in the day? You're back talking? in the day, yes sir. <laughs> Boy, that is back Ruthie. in the day. <laughs> Help me, Ruthie. <laughs> uh, Boy, first you'd have to get the number. You'd have to look in a phone book, maybe. Get the number from a friend. You'd call, try to find the right time. Uh, what do you say when mom or dad answers? There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Mom or dad may answer the phone, right? And what happens if mom or dad answers the phone? Uh, <laughs> exactly. That sounds like me. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Jones. <laughs> Right? Thank you. Awesome. Dory, talk about how a young man would call you. When? When you had voicemails, no cell phones. No cell phones? No cell phones. Okay. Answering machines. Answering machines. Okay. Very similar to the way Don described. 
you would really, really hope that the parents weren't checking the voicemail. (laughs) That the kid would make it home from school before mom and dad got home from work. And that the girl would call the guy back before mom and dad got home. Oh, my boyfriend hated calling when my parents were home. <laughs> Especially if dad answered the phone. That wasn't so pleasant. <laughs> Amen. That was give her a hand because that's real. Now, talk about how you would communicate with a young man when you have cell phones. Ah. <laughs> um, so usually I would have uh, a really cute ringer to come on, you know. It'll be something like, kiss me through the phone, you know. <laughs> you know, just to identify and then. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. You're just hurry up there, girl. <laughs> and then, you know, his, uh, you know, caller ID would come up, but, you know, I would have named him by now. It'd be like my boo thing, you know, boo my thing. forever. Right there, right there, <laughs> <laughs> my forever, you know. And then I would answer, um, you know, just say, what's up? How you doing? Or if I miss the call, you know, if I'm busy, I just text him and say, hey, I'm busy. I'll call you back later or something like that. Awesome. Thank you. Give him a hand. Oh, you can please please see there. Jesus referenced the church of Sardis as dead. They were a zombie church. They were distracted. They forgot about their first love, which was Jesus Christ. They they weren't in an intimate relationship with him. We live in a day and age now where there are a lot of distractions. And race is one of them. But it's simply a distraction. I'll offer this proposal. I believe generational differences are actually more of a problem than race. Back in the day, Don, when I was going to call a young lady, I had to go through mommy and daddy. And if I had to go through mommy and daddy, I had to learn etiquette. I had to learn how to talk to Mr. Jones. Or I had to talk to Mr. Lanier. Uh, how you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. I, I changed my voice, right? Right? Because I'm talking to Mr. Lanier. Yes, sir. I'd say, sir. In the day, then around Dory's time, my age, I, if I get that voicemail... I'll figure out when the parents aren't there so I can leave a voicemail. Call me back. Blah, blah, blah. And maybe I have a, a pager, right? So then I'm good, right? I got a pager. I'm not a drug dealer. I got a pager, though. I got that never ringing. I'm cool. I'm dialing the phone back, calling you back. I don't even have to worry about the parents. But today, nowadays, you don't have to deal with any of that. Kids today have direct access, millennials, and have always had direct access to the men, women, young men, young women they want. They have now completely usurped our social structure. So now the problem we have today is when we get our young kids to try to be respectful or be professional, the way our baby boomers are, then there's this offense going on. Then we got these baby, uh, what are we what are we? Generation X in the middle. And we just had a rough life. Like, we had no heroes. There were no superhero movies. No, There was nothing when I was growing up. And what I'm trying to say is this. Our culture is being distracted. We're so off. We're worried about race, politics, that we're dying. And we're not being what God called us to be. 
don't get distressed not just race we could do an economic conversation have a very similar conversation up here but I just try to offer you one option a generational conversation needs to happen we're saying the same thing throughout generations we love Jesus but because we're so distracted because he's not this way she's not this way they're not singing music I like they're not going out we're so distracted that we're dying Jesus says repent and live let's pray Father God thank you for your Holy Spirit who leads us who guides us who loves us help us adhere to your spirit and give you glory in Jesus name amen thank you church before you leave find two or three people that you don't know Give them a hug, a high five, a handshake, and say, live. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. I give you